Bootboy Radio is sponsored by the Prince Regent, Regent Road, Great Yarmouth. Live entertainment seven days a week throughout the summer season and every weekend throughout the whole year. Great Yarmouth's premier live entertainment venue, the Prince Regent, Regent Road, Great Yarmouth. Sessions on bootboyradio.net this Sunday afternoon, one till three. And we'd like to say we're here every Sunday afternoon playing you classic punk and oi from 76 onwards. And we're mixing up every, every other week, back perhaps once a month, with just an interview, even one of the celebs or one of the personalities from the scene from way back and up to the current day as well. So hopefully you'll be able to join us on G Man's Avid Sessions one till three on a Sunday afternoon. And as, hopefully that'll be repeated again in the week on a Tuesday, Wednesday, later on. So if you want to hear it again, you can always catch it up there or you can catch it up on mixcloud.com as well. So, And every week we'll be having a new track this year, starting in 2022. On the hour, we'll be having a new track from each band that has been sending some stuff into us anyway. And we're hoping we'll play something that you haven't heard before or you know something that's a bit new for you to enjoy anyway. So thank you very much for listening to G-Man's Abbott Sessions on Boot Boy Radio, Sunday 1 till 3 on bootboy.net. Glad you can listen to us and keep the faith.
Good afternoon to you. This is on G-Man's Avid Sessions this Sunday afternoon, Sunday 27th of November. That song don't get played very often, and to be honest, it's a cover of a Paul McCartney and uh, John Lennon sing with a track anyway, and um, a compilation, I should say. A compilation, whatever. And, you know, um, obviously, they wrote that song. <laughs> and it's on the B-side of um, New Rose, funny enough, from 1977. That was the B-side of New Rose, one of the first singles ever put out in punk, and I thought well, I would play it. We'll give it a little go anyway. And, uh, so welcome to, and you're listening to G-Man's Abbott Sessions this Sunday afternoon, one till three, like I say, Sunday the 27th November, and in about 15 minutes' time we'll have that interview with Mr. Mark McGee, formerly of the Glory, formerly of Condemned 84, formerly of Anti-Heroes, and obviously his Magoo's Heroes as well, and obviously he played in a couple of bands, smaller bands, he'll tell us all about that anyway, and Jack the Lad as well, another band that he had in America, so there you go, so you can have a listen to him, and he'll be in look with us in about 15 minutes' time, and um, it's a pre-recorded interview, like most of my, and, you know, my no apologies for that but obviously we have to speak people and people ain't got a lot of time and um, we try to get about an hour with them having a chat and play their top five, five, five tunes from the, from the year as well from 76 onwards so you'll be hearing all these favourite five, five five as well anyway so hope you'll enjoy it anyway this is from 82 and obviously I love this riff anyway and it's, this is a brace of wheels vicious and circle <laughs>
Well, there you go. A little bit of the boys there from 79. Hope you heard it here at Loudy Clarity. Before that, we had um, God Vicious Circle, and that was from 82. At the same time, they penned um, Boots Go, the, the Punks Go Marching in album from 82 as well. Anyway, love that opening riff on power chords and that. You know what I mean? Quality, anyway. So, you're listening to G Man's Avid Sessions on Boot Boy Radio, www.bootboyradio.net. And this is on Sunday, 27th of November. We'll be listening to a bit of Mark McGee in a, in a little while, anyway. I should say in about another 10 minutes. So, and uh, he'll be chatting for a while and playing his top five, five tunes from the era as well, anyway. And to be honest, his, his favourite year is 79, I think, around that sort of thing. And I'm going to say, we have a lot of tracks from 79, 82, anyway. So, and building up into all that sort of stuff going on and all the oi tracks and everything like that as well. So, hopefully, you're enjoying the tracks. And um, listen to us loud and clear. It was pre recorded, obviously, before um, uh, he played in Germany, the Dresden, Germany gig with um, Condemned 84 on the 8th of August. So, that was recorded the week before while he's over in the, in the UK from the United States of America, where he obviously resides at the moment, anyway, the week before. So, yeah, have a listen to what he's got to say, and um, he'll be talking about the glory, and um, we've got a track coming up with him soon as well, anyway, so you can enjoy him anyway. There we go. Oi, this is Steve Duty. You're listening to G-Man's Abbott Sessions on Boot Boy Radio. Yeah. 
little bit of test two babies there from Piston Proud actually, and that was from 82 as well. So we're playing a lot of 82 today, and uh, before that, a bit of skids into the valley, and um, I know Mark liked that track as well anyway, so quality that is from 1979 anyway. So before we start our, our chat with Mr. Mark McGee, we're going to play one track from his former founder member from the Glory. So uh, this is Clockwork Land, and that was off uh, Volume 3, Punks and Skins, way back in 87, but also it was on their um, We Want Are What We Are album from 1988 as well. So enjoy this, and then have a listen to what Mark McGee's got to say. Catch you in a bit. This is G-Man's Avid Sessions on Boot Boy Radio, Sunday the 27th of November on www.bootboyradio.net. Here we go, enjoy this.
to all you listening to G-Man's Avid Sessions this Sunday afternoon on www.bootboyradio.net. We're lucky this week to be in the presence and listen to a few things up that's going on in his head from the past, from 76 onwards right up to the present day. And we're lucky to be in the presence of a guitarist whose distinctive sound was the sound of the glory back in the days in the 80s. And then obviously with anti-heroes. Then with Condemned 84, obviously at times when he's played with the band, and obviously his very own Magoo's Heroes, and I must admit, you know, his guitar sound is distinctive, and we're lucky to be having him for the, today's interview anyway. So how's it going then, Mark? Are you all right there, there, fella? Yeah, hello, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Nah, it's no problem, mate, mate. So you're up in Leicester at the moment, and yeah, for, for a few weeks. When, when did you come over? Uh, yeah, it came over uh, last month, uh, first week of September, obviously, a little bit of catching up with some family and uh, doing doing some work on the new Condemned 84 album. Yeah, brilliant, mate. So you're going to be like um, the fifth member then, do you think? <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. you yeah. know, um, keeping, keeping fingers crossed due to the, uh, the latest situation to plague the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but... Charlie's got a little bit of a foot injury, we know, yeah, so, so, so shame in it, but obviously this will go out in November as well, so I'm going to say we're, we're talking sort of early October now at the moment, so <clears throat> but brilliant, but um, I'm going to say, so what do you, how do you think about the tracks have been fairing up on the Condemned 84 on the album, what do you think of the new tracks that they're putting together, what do you think they might be? Um, great stuff, mate, it, to, to be honest, you know, if I have to say, you know, I have a person, personal favourite era of Condemned 84. It's, you know, I think I think it's the um, the Battle Scar face the aggression days. They're, they're just my that's my personal favourite era. You know, yeah, cool. uh, every, everything's been great. You know, because Condemned have have spanned a long career and it's it's been a you know a style change along the way and a, a sound change. But um, so these these latest tracks for me, they they feel like they've got a they've reverted back to a kind of an old kind of an old meets new or they've reverted back to an old school style Superb. meets new if, if you know what I mean yeah yeah brilliant mate. I, I, yeah, yeah mate. So, so I'm especially excited about that I'm, I'm excited to hear that brilliant mate brilliant super and um, how's things been going I'm going to say obviously you're over from the US till sort of like sort of into October but um what was the sort of like, yeah, how, how's things going with Magoo's Heroes over in the US then? Anyway, obviously you're over from the USA, do you know what I mean? How, what was what was the position on that when you sort of left it, when you come over? Do you know what I mean? Um, well, well, right now, to be honest, um, Magoo's Heroes has kind of, it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've been I've been totally enjoying all the all the stuff that we've done, you know, we've done a couple of albums and they, they've been varied. What the, Each one doesn't sound like the previous one. It's been great, but to be honest, mate, it, it's kind of run its course, you know, and uh, we, we're just going to finish up this last album that we're working on, and we're, we're going to oh, just kind of call it a day, you know. Oh, brilliant, but also, um, you're, I, you're doing a bit of a YouTube subscriber now. You do, you're doing a lot of YouTube stuff and that, some songs in there, you know what I mean? Which is good, isn't it? You know what I mean? On there? Yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. Which is good. You know, people see that, and you've got a lot of subscribers on that as well, and you know, sort of thing. There's a few people that come in and watching you doing your your songs on there as well with your filming as well on there aren't they do you know what I mean who helps you with the filming on that um, what you're talking about my little little sort of solo yeah videos? your solo stuff you do yeah solo videos on that you know what I mean yeah yeah well you know that's that's just um, while, while we've been in this in between time with Magoo's Heroes uh, 
let me just touch on that. You know, we've yeah, had a little bit of an issue with yeah. finding drummers. Drummers has been our issue. You know, I've gone through quite a few drummers in the band that <laughs> we've been played with. Yeah. Uh, you know, drummer issues, and right now I'm I'm just at the point of I've got another drummer to finish off the the last part of the album. So just to kill some time in between, I've done a couple of little fun fun videos. You know, covering a couple of old '60s songs just for a bit of fun. You know, I, I don't want I don't want people to look at it and think, oh wow, where's he trying to go with this? I'm not, no. I'm not trying to go anywhere with it, and just I'm not sold it, out. Yeah, you just know, it, mate. you know, some people think yeah. because you're not doing what you typically do that you, you've sold out. And it's, it's just a bit of fun, really. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, a bit of guitar music, just to pass the time, you know. Brilliant, mate. And I, I see you've done a double film, taking all that. Was it Hot Butter? Was it I saw? Was it I saw you play one of one of the tracks you've done? Did oh, you oh, 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 so, so basically, I, I did um, I did a cover of an old. Uh, old classic called Sleepwalk. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which has been done by a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and everybody knows that song. And uh, so I did a cover of that, you know. I just kind of played kind of bluesy guitar, and then I did a cover of uh, Telstar. Oh, Telstar, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, Telstar yeah. by the Tornadoes, and oh, I think yeah. that that's a, a, a renowned song that most people around the world um, hmm. over the age of fifty are quite familiar <laughs> with. So. Well, I just super. thought, you know, that, that would be fun to do that. And, um, yeah, just just a bit of fun, you know. Superb, mate. Yes, enjoying it, you know what I mean? You've got a few guitars over in the States still, in. How many guitars you got over there now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, got, I got rid of a few, mate, because I, I, was, uh, I was starting to accumulate guitars and then never using them, so I oh. gave a couple away. Um, oh, bloody I, I think I, I think I might have ten. Oh, ten. And obviously you're still tattooing over there and shopping at whatever in Atlanta? Yeah, mate. Boy yeah, yeah. That's so been that's uh, been a little over thirty years now. Um, yeah, and I, I just I just go by appointments only now. You know, I've reached the point where I, I have the luxury of uh, sort of picking and choosing. I don't have to sit in a shop all day waiting anymore. So, you know, I'm pretty grateful for that because it, it frees up some of my time. So hopefully, I can I can devote a bit more time to doing what I'm really into, and that's that's music. Nice. You know, tattooing is a great job, but what I really love is, is music. And one of the things that, that I really enjoy doing is, is working with other people. Yeah, you super, know, superb, mate, superb. Um, yeah. I, I like being in a band, but I also enjoy working with with other people. Hence, you know, this Condemned Eighty Four project again. Yeah. It, it's been great. It's been great to be part of. You know, because yeah, we we ain't, we ain't seen you over here well since. 2011. Then we played TNT with you, didn't we? You know, uh, was that 2012, weren't it? As well, like you know what I mean? Because you come over, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Um, the, the last, the last time I played with Condemned 84 was uh, was 2010. Yeah. Um, on the little sort of mini East Coast sort of mini tour, you know, yeah, little yeah, you've done Boston um, and that. Yeah, Boston and a couple of other shows there. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, oh, you know, to be honest, so the, these. This 12 years has gone past really fast, yeah, and I, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't think I'd possibly even do anything working them 84 again. And now this is, this has happened, you know. So I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, brilliant, mate. That's superb. I, I'm gonna say, I remember when we played TNT with you, and you were playing the Goose Heroes on there. And that, oh, what they did, they, they drank the bar dry, didn't they? They broke, broke the record and everything, didn't they? You yeah, know yeah, that's right. Mental. Yeah, that was a great weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of bands were on the Saturdays and that. You know, we were in the no, that, that was superb, like, you know, like, that was 2012, that was, 2012, but brilliant, yeah. Pete Morsey put that on, and they loaded us, the guys out there, didn't they? They were, they were, they were good guys as well, like, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I think, 
think you have, you have a few a few standout gigs in your career, you know. Um, and I think I think for me that that was one of the standout gigs. A great weekend um, to see a lot of these old school English bands that, that Pete flew over, and and to be the on the opening night on Friday night to to be the opener for Condemned '84. You know, I, I keep I keep I keep saying Condemned '84, but how exciting is that? You know, to have your own band open for Condemned 84 and a packed house you know yeah superb mate no I appreciate it it's a good night mate I love, love the whole weekend brilliant mate like, you know. so brilliant yeah. so um, thanks for spending the time and, uh, you, know, you know catching up with us and that mate so obviously we're, we're on Boo Boo Radio G-Man's Abbott Sessions like we we, go, we play tracks from 76 onwards and that so what were your real what were your thoughts really at the start of it all when, in 76 and Mark what made you want to to get up and get into the sort of like the, the sort of the punk and oi scene as it went through in '76 onwards. What sort? Of, what were your sort of thoughts um, back in the day, mate? I was just a little bit on the young side to catch the very original of it. You know, yeah. obviously I recall I recall it. You know, quite well. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was like a lot of stuff going on in the newspapers, the Sex Pistols. I think everybody was aware of it, and some, some of the, the, the older kids at school were into it. You know, so that, that's how I became aware of it um it was kind of just a little bit five minutes later into the punk scene when i was able to start buying records and and really getting into it and it was quite an exciting time because you know prior to that like everybody else i just liked the music that, that was in the charts because that's what you had on top of the and pops, it was, it? Top of the pops mate, really, weren't it? You know, yeah yeah a lot, a lot of you know disco stuff and you know, before Bond came along, of course everybody liked disco because it was there, you know, and, uh, you, you know, some kind of rock stuff and, and that's what it was, you know. Uh, but when Punk came along, and I thought, well, wow, what's all this fuss, you know? And it's like, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and when you're that age, of course you're going to like it. It appeals to you because, you know, the shock value, yeah. it, 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 was, it was upsetting older people and parents and authorities you know the shock and of course it's, it's very appealing to a teenager of course yeah, you know yeah yeah, yeah. did you, were, one, you, one, were you playing guitar then mark at that age what time did you, what, what age did you pick up a guitar then mate um well at that time with the school that the high school that i went to we had we had like a music class and uh i started off in the music class playing you know playing the acoustic guitar but i was and that was in 1977 actually yeah. um but that was not in any relation to punk. I can't say, yeah, I picked up the guitar in 77. It, it was just part of the, the school curriculum, you know. They, yeah. they, we, had, we had to play acoustic guitar, and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, terribly interesting at all. Um, <laughs> no. So, yeah, we, 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 would, we would have lessons on the guitar, and we, we used to play along, uh, like, Beatles songs and stuff like that, and it, it, I wasn't interested in it, to be honest. Um, so I actually started playing guitar just a little bit later, um, when all, all the lads at school, every, everybody had to be in a band all of a sudden, you know, as the punk thing really picked up and every, everybody got into it, then everybody had to be in a band, and I was no exception, you know. What was the first band you formed then? Was it, was it, was it, it weren't the Glory, was it? Or was it a couple of little bands you in the start with? No, or? I, was, I, was, uh, I, was in, I was in high school and I got together with a few, few of my punk mates and we we got this little band together and it was called eternal bullshit and, uh, <laughs> yeah and, and 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 i think that actually came that was like came from a sex pistol song if i'm not not mistaken but Brilliant. We, we you know we were just how old were we 14 i yeah, think you know and 
I just learned the first two chords on the guitar, and you know we had spiky air and all the all the usual stuff. We were, you know, very much uh, you know what was the look at the time, you know, and um, oh, it, it, it was it was a fun time to be a teenager, and you know you, all you needed was your two bar chords and. Yeah. You know, your cheap, your cheap electric guitar, and you practice something, you're off. You were good to go, you know. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Did you um, did you sort of like um, are you still keep in touch with the people from the school now? Are you still see them around, knocking around when you were obviously in Leicester or whatever? Back in the day. I do, I do, I do stay in touch with uh, one or two of the guys, um, and, and a few of them are still musicians, you know. Yeah. Um, some of the guys are, are still around playing in local bands in Leicester. Yeah. Um, not not the, the punk bands. Um, a, a lot of people don't. They don't. They're not really stuck to the punk thing no. anymore. You know, because as you get older, it's not always uh, viable to play old school punk rock no. music. I, I still do, but you know, some of my friends, you know, they um, they they do kind of sort of, I guess, indie music, if you will. Yeah. You know, but I, I do still stay in touch with a few of the guys, and they, they oh, cool. you know, they seem to they they have an interest in what I'm doing, and I and I stay in touch. With them, you yeah, know, brilliant, mate, brilliant, mate, superb. superb. So, um, I'm gonna say, when did um, when did you actually did you write the first song for the band, External Bullshit, and or did you write one of the songs, or did you, the vocalist do it? What, what head, head did you? So, so we, we put we put this band together, yeah. um, and I, I started, you know, I, like I say, I started off playing the acoustic guitar in, in music class in in the seventies, and I wasn't interested, so I kind of didn't really pursue it until a year later when it was time to be in a band and I thought so so how does what I learned on the acoustic guitar how does that relate to uh, jumping around and playing guitar you know yeah. uh, like a madman and <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't put the two together you know so a friend of mine who was in another band electric guitar really so so we used to practice a lot and uh, the first thing to do back then really you know, some old covers, yeah. punk yeah. songs, yeah. you know, and uh, once we started to gel, we... Oh, that's all right, mate, that's good. Did you, did you gig with them or...? Stuff going on, yeah. uh, I think a lot of the, sort of the older arty punks, uh, they had, they had decided, well, this is, this kind of had its day now, and they were a mixed thing, you know, like the post-punk type stuff, and, and we were considered old, you know, dated at, at that age for playing stuff that came out to, to the... The original punk sound, and uh, yeah, we got gigs. We actually got gigs, and um, brilliant. What evidence? Um, it, it, it was it was in. It was like the, the sort of the punk hero that used to organise all the gigs, and everybody looked up to him and uh, shocked and and overjoyed, you know. And uh, back then, <laughs> though, to, back then, though, <coughs> mate, to play gigs, you, you had to pay. And he said, "Oh, it's going to cost you this much to pay." And I'm like, "Okay." And I just thought that was normal. Yeah. So, so you have to pay money to be on the gig. And he said that was to cover the cost of the PA and everything. Course, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, the, the first gig was exciting, you know. And uh, the, the the first gig, though, um, I still remember it very well. And, and of course, spitting was still a thing back yeah. then. Spitting. Yeah. And pogoing, pogoing, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. my very very first ever show, I got absolutely covered in. In God, which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad it died out shortly after that because, you know, back then you used to pretend it was cool. It, yeah. it wasn't really, you know. Now, who did you play with then, Mark? Pardon? Who did you play with? Who was you playing on that bill? Can you remember? Was it was it a well? Oh, oh it, yeah, it was. Uh, it was some local bands. Um, there, there was a band. It was a, a bunch of high school bands, and they were all pretty good. Um, yeah. 
but, but, but all of, most of these bands subsided within a year, year or two. You know that was. Uh, oh, that's nice stuff, mate. You got the bug for it anyway, then, did you? It must have been, oh, you got a buzz out of that, didn't you? First gig. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, and then then we we continued to get gigs at the same, you know, the community college. And of course, shortly thereafter, we all we all left school and went to work. And a lot of the bands just just kind of fell apart, you know, as as everybody got matter. older and you know we weren't in high school anymore. No, and but, but I just, I just, I, I wanted to keep it going. It was something that I felt, you know, I wanted to c- continue to do. So then yes, you sort right. of move on and you start merging with other musicians and advancing and meeting other people from other side of town and stuff like that. And yeah. the, the bands started to progress and get a little bit better. Brilliant. You know? Brilliant, mate. Superb. Well, that, that point, would you like to introduce your first track for today on G-Man's Abbott Sessions? The first track of your fave five, mate, if you could come up with that. Please. Yeah, Go on, yeah mate, so, so my first track is going to be um, No More Heroes by The Stranglers. And uh, I know a lot of people, you know, the damned and stuff like that. But, but for me, the, the No More Heroes song, um, I mean, obviously, The Stranglers made the keyboards cool because keyboards were not really accepted in punk, were they? Um, but, but just a great song. I never really true. <laughs> Blend me. 
to talk about it. Here we go, mate. I'm now going to introduce you back. And all right, here we go then, mate. Okay. Right. So welcome back to G-Man's Avid Sessions. We've just had the first track from uh, Mr. Mark McGee's Fave Five tracks he sent in today. The interview with Mark McGee, obviously playing, he's playing. Uh, we've been speaking to Mark, and he's picked up the guitar, acoustic guitar at school, and went into his first band. And um, he's played a few gigs, so he's obviously got the bug. So Mark, so where did it move from there? Who sort of um, influenced you? Really inspired you, sort of, as a guitarist? Do you, you know, is there many any sort of like, you know, you, the, the instrument? He said, what did you think of the ideology of punk and all that stuff? Was it all happening like that in Leicester, or was it about arty farty? How was it for you at, at that sort of time? Uh, yeah, so so as far as influences then. Um I like, I like so much, mate. I can't really honestly say that there was one uh, guitar player that really influenced me. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I, I like the Pistols, you know. Every, I think everybody, I've got to be honest, everybody likes that Pistols guitar sound, you yeah, know. Brilliant. Um, yeah, um, but As well, um, I particularly liked the, the style of Paul Weller. Um, kind of influenced me a little bit and pe people have said to me I don't see that in your playing and it's like well that's good you're not supposed to um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Weller influenced me it doesn't mean I tried to copy him I, I, he just influenced me in a lot, lot, lot of stuff that he played but I mean uh, early stuff you know um, mm. is that because you saw uh, on top of the pops and that do you think or was it people on top of the pops or you know, the early in the city and all that stuff, sort of like that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the early stuff, you know. I just, yeah. I just like the way Paul Weller played this very, very loose style, and he didn't. He needs, of course, he didn't sound anything like Steve Jones. Yeah. But you know, I, I love that. I, I love so much of it, mate. To be honest, yeah. and uh, and then a little bit, little bit later on, you know, Mickey Garrett, the early UK subs. Oh, I just yeah, like yeah. that, that yeah. guy's great style, sound. you know. Yeah, great sound. His style. Yeah, MSG. And yeah. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, mate. Super. Yeah. What did you think? Of, I'm going to say, what did you think of all the things that was happening sort of up London? Was it happening very much on the streets in Leicester, or was it sort of like, was it where the punks out and about, or you know, skinhead come back through? What you, how was it that in Leicester? Well, I think I think back then, to be honest, you know, um, being the age that I was, um, some some of the some of the older the older teenagers, you know, uh, I think one of the things that happened in, in Leicester, and I guess a lot of places, was. Uh, there were like little classes uh, there were like snobbery started in, in in the punk scene you know there was a snobbery involved um you got your you've got your older dudes and they, they were like picture perfect they all look like you know very picturesque and uh some of them kind of look down the nose at you you know what i mean because if, if you went into the town because you had to go into the town to to be seen you know back then in the, in the punk days and um of course, I was a little bit on the younger side, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people were concerned with how they looked, you know, and, you know, the word poser used to be around a lot back then, didn't it? Yeah, you know, course, and I, and yeah. I felt like some of the people that, that used the word poser were, in fact, the real posers, you know? Yeah, yeah, cool, um, cool. So, so I, I kind of, I kind of just started to think, well, some of you guys are not even in a band, you know, you all walk around looking like Sid Vicious and you're too, too cool for everybody else, but you, you don't even play in a band, you know, you're not even, you're not even bringing anything uh, to the table, so to speak, so yeah. I, I kind of, kind of had a little sort of resentment to them and I thought you know what I don't need to dress up like that I don't because I, I go to work in a factory now I work machinery I can't it's not practical for me to go to work looking like yeah. vicious you know exactly. you know what I mean yeah, so, yeah. so so the, the scene was actually kind of divided up a little bit based on 
launching up at a snobbery and then there were some of the, some of the uh the, the punk rock people went off and they they chose to go in the uh sort of politically motive, motivated direction oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know some people for instance that, that liked the clash came became a little bit obsessed with uh somebody else's agenda uh, and i i felt like i personally used to feel like why, why would you why would you absorb that you know and and just because okay i don't want to upset any, anybody but just because joe strummer sings about this or that or whatever doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you have to believe it and no, live by it you know it's like think for yourself well, and yeah, I started to, yeah yeah that's good yeah so and then, but, but obviously you know as time progressed we had we had like a second wave didn't we you know yeah. and of course I, I loved discharge and gbh and all that i loved all that the power of it and so, so it kind of came back with a vengeance, but but they they were singing about so you know some of the bands a lot of anti-war lyrics, but then they didn't sing about anything else, you know. And I thought, okay, um, I'd kind of like to hear some different different topics, you know. Yeah. Um, why has everything got to be anti-war and a lot of anti-government stuff? And it, and it, it was all kind of the same stuff, yeah. you know. What, so what, was, what sort of what were the venues like around knocking around at the time at the, you know, in Leicester? Would it? Were there good ones you can go to where you're hanging out in any list, any venues or in pubs or where you know, bands are playing or anything like that? Uh, there were there were some like some cool like little pub venues around Leicester. Um, you know, I, I always liked pub venues, dive bars. You know, yeah. li- little shitty pubs. I, I, I always loved gigs like that. And then obviously you had the um, the, the technical college, the Polytechnic, on the weekends. Um, was pretty cool, and you could see some pretty cool bands there. But they were they were kind of more the bands that you would hear on John Peel. Yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't see them in the little, the little bars. You'd see local bands in the little bars, and you you would see you know the John Peel type band, and they would have the the rest of the university, and you could always see some great. I saw some killer bands there. Was that, at was the university, so all that was pretty well covered, you know. Yeah. Was um was that was a Charlotte knocking around then at the time? Was it a Charlotte? Princess Charlotte? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Charlotte, the Charlotte came along, um, obviously, in the early 80s. Yeah. And, of course, it was like, it was the super cool pub that was right there on the corner of, the corner of, you know, the edge of town, basically, as you were going into the town. And you saw great bands there, but all the elite people went there. And, uh, again, I felt like this is for all the cool people, you know, if yeah. I go there. Um it was, it was where all the cool people went, you know, and uh, there were some great bands playing there, but one of the things, um, it was it was difficult to get a show there. I felt like to get a gig out of the Charlotte, you had to beat somebody, you know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't walk in there and get a show. Bastards, yeah, I can understand that, yeah. It's a bit more too up, up market, really, and really, wasn't it? You know what I mean, I suppose? Again, again it, came, it came down to, like, there was a little bit of snob factor going yeah. on it, yeah. in the music scene. You know, some of the bands were too cool. Like, they weren't going to give you an opening slot, and some of the bands were trying to hog all the limelight. And I was very aware of it at the time, yeah. you know? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, um, you stepped up from your, your school band, then. So, so was the next band along? Was that The Glory when it started in, in what, 81, 82, The Glory? What? Well, I had, I had a little in-between time, actually, yeah. because pertaining to what I was just saying, I, ca- I became a little bit disillusioned with some of the, uh, the, the, the punk the punk bands, you know. Yeah. Um, and the people that followed it were getting getting snobby and they were starting to write, like, uh, uh, 
political slogans on the jackets and anti-war stuff. And I thought, I started thinking, you, know, you, got, you guys are all just, just copying what somebody else is doing, you know. And uh, I wanted something a little bit more that I, that I could relate to. And, and one of the bands, just backtracking a little bit, was that I really liked for that reason was Sham 69. Oh, that but, brings us into your second track, mate. I was going to say... You, you... Yeah. Absolutely, because yeah. um, I always loved Sham 69, and, and you know, um, so so now at this point in the early 80s, Sham were kind of on the on the tail end of their popularity, unfortunately. But um, I think they I think they spawned uh, basically the oi scene that started. I mean, right there in 1980, I was yeah. a little bit disillusioned with the whole punk thing. Yeah, and, and when oi came along, you know, and, and Gary Bushell really pushed it. Right there and then, I thought, you know what? This is this is what this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, this because yeah. I can relate to this. Yeah, you know, all these all these war songs, and it's like, really, these guys are all just repeating themselves now. And who's got the biggest spike here and the most studied jacket? You know, yeah. I, I can't do that. You know, I, I need I need to look like I need to look the same on the weekend as I do in the week when I go to work. I don't I don't need to dress up like. So this music that came along, you know, um, Brilliant, the oil yeah. music. Brilliant. So look, yeah. at that point there, Mark, we'll introduce your second track here. Sorry, mate, you want to introduce your second track? Spot on, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, this is, uh, I believe, Sham 69. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, boss. Um, Angels with Dirty Faces, and I feel that this song in particular, I know it's from 1978, but has great memories for me, and it's just brash, and it is what it is. And... It's not about politics or any kind of agenda. It's just a great song, and for me, I think it is. It is the transition from from punk to oi. All right, mate. Superb. We'll play that song for you now. Cheers. All right, mate. You're coming up the 30 minute spot on there. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not rambling too much. No, nah, no, nah, it's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. No, no problem. Mate. We're doing all right. You know what I mean. Next track is um, Upstarts Teenage Warning. <coughs> and obviously we'll speak about the glory first gigs and where you, you know, was that, I'll say was that around the time the glory started and all that, does that make sense? So we'll, we'll okay. Rock, we'll... He's got a dirty face
So welcome back to G-Man's Avid Sessions this Sunday afternoon, one till three. We're looking in the company of Mr. Mark McGee. He's already spoke about how the, the punk scene has transitioned from really punk in Hawaii in Leicester and, and uh, saying how, you know, hopefully he's getting into another band now. And um, it's just, we just had Sham 69, Angels with Dirty Faces. Obviously, you know, it's more, you know, working class lyrics and more down to earth. And obviously, you know, it's got more, you, know, you can feel the songs a lot more, and obviously a lot more rowdier and that as well, and a lot more big chorus lines, Mark, and that. So, how did, um, so what was the next step then? Was it, was it practicing? How did you get into the glory and all that stuff around 80, 81? How did it go from there, mate? Well, there was, <clears throat> there was a transitional period after, after I, uh, I, st I still liked all the punk stuff, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just, I just felt like now this, the, the Oi thing had started, the first Oi album came out, which introduced me to, you know, a, a lot of a lot of new oi and um, skin bands. You know, that was my first encounter with some of the old bands back then. The Last Resort, Before Skins, Infrared, Red Alert, and such. You know, going all the way back. And I thought, I really like these bands. You know, these these lyrics are really cool. These songs are great, and they they were all very Sham sixty nine based, which was right up my alley. And I just kind of I just went in that direction, and I thought, this is for me. This is for me, you know, and um, I feel that there was kind of there was kind of a split really between the the old school punk scene and the oi scene. It, it kind of split, and it was a shame really because it was it was like back then you had, you had to pick a side. And I thought, okay, I really hate that this is this is the case, but I, I went down I went down the oi road, you know, and um, back then, you know, I got I got in touch with uh, a few mates from from the college days from a couple of years prior we we bumped into each other in a pub and we got talking about what music you're listening to these days you know and uh mate of mine he, he was into the oi stuff and so was i and i was not in a band at that point in time so uh me and, me and my mates got together and we, we started this oi band as far as i knew we were the first official oi band in leicester and we, yeah. we called ourselves the new breed and i know that it sounds very cliche i'm sure there were 500 the new breeds across England, but we were we were ours, you know, and uh, and we we set about playing, you know, some covers of some Oi songs and writing our own stuff, and uh, it was it was actually a great band. Uh, but the thing is, it, it was now 1982, and Oi was was kind of not it was kind of frowned upon, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, um, it, it had gone at a bad reputation, I think, due to its skinhead connection which i didn't have a problem with in actual fact i had i had, I had pretty much gone down that road i was i was gearing more into the skinhead thing uh, as well you know so i was now in a skinhead oi band called the new breed and we rehearsed regular um we went in and recorded a demo tape and could we get gigs no it was impossible you know, uh, we we just couldn't get gigs. No bands wanted us to open for them. Nobody even wanted us to even have a chance. You know, and I thought, wow, this 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 is crappy. But it, but it, it just makes you more determined. I think it's yeah. like, well, you know, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep doing it. So we we did play it. We did play a couple of gigs. You know, we 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 made it to Peterborough and we played one or two gigs in Leicester. But People just people were determined not to like us because we were oi, but we weren't a bad band. Um, and after two years, it, it subsided. You know, yeah. uh, we, <coughs> we as people outside of the band, we, we started to have kids. You know, because we were young and 
irresponsible. Kid babies were coming into the picture, and I, I had to shut it down and walk away from it, from just for a little while, you know. And then, so, so that band finished, and um, I'm still friends with those guys to this day. But you know, it's some, some a little time went by, and now there had been another band in Leicester. Um, I didn't know whether they called themselves Oi, but they were called the Clockwork Soldiers, and they they had a quite a skinhead following. Uh, kind of notorious actually and um, the singer and I Timo we kind of crossed paths around 1984 and he wanted to start a new band with me and we didn't know each other on too much at a very personal level but I thought you know what why not let's give it a go and that, that was actually the birth of the glory right, oh cool cool yeah yeah what, and what, happened we decided... then, what happened to the demo Newbury then it didn't go on to it a release or anything like that you just kept it as a demo and experienced the studio for a little while like that did you with the yeah yeah the that's it that's it we went into a small studio yeah. in Leicester and we caught we recorded four original tracks and yeah. it was just it was just I mean back then we didn't know what we even recorded demos for we just yeah. made a couple of cassette tapes and we kept them at home and played them and we we didn't know how to get gigs or anything back then, you know. We were, we were kind of naive, um, so so the demo demo tape never it never took us anywhere. It it didn't lead to anything. We like I say, we were just we were still young and we were very naive. Um, did you write the, once I, did you write the four I, tracks, then, Mark? Did you write the tracks for Newbury then, or that, or what, the singer wrote? Those I, I, wrote I wrote I wrote the music. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was already I was already starting to develop uh, at that point what has become. I guess kind of the sound that I've been known for. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, with the glory, then you took that into the glory. Then, did you think? Is that was what you're hoping to do with the sound? Because you've got your own sound and everything in the glory. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You see, I, I'd already, I'd already started to develop that sound. And it, I, I gotta be honest, it, it's not exactly an original sound. Is but you know, people kind of associate me with that sound. I've yeah. got a knack for it, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So you know that that band came came to an end and. Timo's band, the Clockwork Soldiers, they came to an end. We, we, we were aware of each other, you know, and uh, Timo contacted me and wanted to start a new band, and I thought, let's go for it. So so the, the funny thing was, when the Glory first started, it was it was all the guys from the New Breed with Timo of the Clockwork Soldiers on vocals. So it, it was almost the same band. Um, so we, we got the ball rolling, and we, we straight away we started working on original songs, you know, and... Um, uh, we 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 couldn't keep we couldn't keep it like a solid lineup. So we we went through like bass players and drummers at at a, at a bit of a fast rate, you know. And but in the meantime, we continued to keep working, pumping out songs. And we we were going to a rehearsal studio, and and I was quite I was quite enthusiastic about it. And Brilliant. so yeah. all, all the skinheads in Leicester, you know that. There was quite a skinhead crew in Leicester back then, yeah. and they, you know, they were quite, quite the scallywags. They were nuisances. They were very, <laughs> renowned, yeah, you know, very yeah. renowned for, you know, their rambunctious behaviour. It gets disliked, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, so now we've got this new band, Tim and myself, and we, we, we call it the Glory, which, which I thought was a great oi name. Um, it's debatable who came up with it. He says it's him. It, I think it was me, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, now all of a sudden the skinheads all got, got excited because hey, you know, there's a, there's a new band, The Glory. So as soon as we got um, a repertoire of songs of original songs together, everyone had come um, we, we threw, we, 
<laughs> yeah, we threw one or two covers in, you know, to yeah. keep keep the skins happy. Of course, we had to play chaos and yeah. probably kids are united or something. So all of a sudden, um, so now we're in the mid eighties, and it turns out that, that, that there's there's quite a like a, a second wave, a new wave of um, other oi bands around the country, you know, that, that I became aware of now. Um, Crochet, Section 5, um, Kingdom 84, you know, it's like, wow, there's, there's other bands out there that we can network with and realise there are shows and there are audiences and, uh, you know, we all of a sudden, we here we are, the glory, and we've got all our, our crazy skinhead following, so we, we were up and running, you know. Yeah, brilliant, mate, brilliant. Superb, well, at that point, Mark, we'll go into your third track, shall we? Your, your track, you got five, if that's all right. Can you introduce that for us then, mate? Cheers. It is the Angelic Cop Starts, I believe. Yeah, that's one, boss. And um, it's Teenage Warning, and this song, I know it goes back to 1979, but also I felt that the Angelic Cop Starts, when they burst onto the scene, they were, they were saying all the right things, you know. They, they were like, they were straight out of Sham 69's back pocket, you know. And, um, of course, going all the way back to 69, uh, 79, rather, and this song came out, just blew me. Listening. 
So that was uh, the third track from Mr. Mark McGee of The Glory, uh, Condemned 84, Anti-Heroes and Magoo's Heroes. And obviously, like, he's been telling us all about the tracks and how he managed to pick up the guitar from school and uh, the acoustic guitar, and now he's been in a couple of bands. And at the moment, he's got a little bit of a, little bit of a, grow, a grow and following going on with a... He's just actually formed The Glory with Timo from way back. And what year was that, Mark, anyway? Was that about 84, 85? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was eighty-five, basically. Eighty-five, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Did you, did you get? So, obviously, you got your first, the first chance to put your stuff down on vinyl and go in a studio again. What studio did you go in this time? Did you go into a different studio, or what? How did you get that? How did that come about? Um, so, so with the glory, uh, you know, we we kind of burst onto the scene with, uh, you know, popularity. You know, the skinheads had nothing at the time. You know, well, they they kind of they kind of spoiled all the gigs for themselves. You know, and. Uh, so now they needed a new band and here we were and they were all excited and we we started to play shows like like right off the bat we started to get shows and um the cool thing the cool thing in the mid 80s as i said there were these other other oi and skinhead bands scattered around the country and it, it was a very it was a very great networking scene you know people were supportive of each other and we got gigs purely because of other people and, and we used to write letters back then um I can't even remember how it started. We, you know, writing letters to and from other people, and they would, they would invite you to come in their town and play play gigs. So with the glory, we started going go to, you know, we went to Coventry. Uh, what was I think Mark Payne put put on the first show we played, and yeah, I remember Payne. I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I met, that's where I met the Shade in, a, in I think their very original lineup um, was it. Skin deep, what you know? They, I think, I think they played, and it, it, it was, a, it was a crazy gig. I didn't, I didn't realise it was going to be that intense and that popular, but it was very high energy. And I thought, this is, this is amazing, you know. And um, we continued to get gigs, and we, we would often go and play Stoke on Trent with Section Five, and then, uh, of course, then we got the, the gig in Trowbridge with Condemned '84, which. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seemed like it was about three days away, you know. It was it was a couple of hours, but it was it was a long way, and, and that was the first time I saw Condemned '84. Quite impressed as well, and um, yeah, it became it became all part of you know everything was going good, and um, we so I I saw this ad in Sounds. You remember the Sounds newspaper? Yeah. yeah. And it, it was Oi Records. Roddy Marino, Oi Records, had placed an ad that he was looking for bands, and. And I, I basically contacted him, and he said, "Send me a cassette tape." And it was just a boombox cassette tape. It was not very good quality at all. And I sent it to him, and he got back to me and said he, he liked it. And did we want to do an album? And I was just, I was just floored. At like, how is it this easy when four or five years ago you couldn't even get a show? You know. Yeah. And um, I spoke, spoke with Roddy over the phone at that point. Anyway, it was basically uh, what you call a licensing deal, where I kept the rights to the music, and he just he just licensed it. He put it out, and, uh, and that was a split. Anyway, combo. It, it was a split combo, wasn't it? Was that the split one? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it was part of his. He had a and series skins, called yeah. Skins and Punks, and, and that ours was number three, and oh, we yeah. we were on one side, and the band called the Magnificent oh. on the other. Cool. They're Dutch, yeah, weren't they? So Dutch, weren't they? Dutch, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought they were—they were very good. They were—they were, they were, they were yeah, very musical. good musicians. Yeah. I, I was very impressed. Yeah. And uh, 
So we went into a local studio in, in Leicester Paul. We, we were very oi and not, not like polished. We were very brash and kind of didn't, didn't really care. And we went into the studio on a Saturday and uh, it was a really nice place, actually. You know, we took beer and we had fish and chips and got it all over the mixing board and the guy was upset. <laughs> yeah, and we, we just, yeah. you know, and basically the guy at the studio, I think he was a bit disappointed at what, what slobs we were and we, we were just laughing and didn't seem to take stuff too seriously yeah, yeah. and so so he assigned us he assigned us to his, his apprentice who 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 was working the board you know and yeah. uh, anyway it was a very professional studio so we set up did our tracks and I'm, I'm sitting in the in the mixing room with the guy and he was only very young he was about 17 yeah. uh martin martin plans i think his name was and he got a name credit and uh, I said to him, so how, how long have you been working here then? You know, what's your experience on this? And he said, well, he said, you know, I'm just on a, on a youth scheme. He said, I, I just come in. He, he said, basically, I just make the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get, get involved in the mixing and all that, and the producing of it and that? A, a, a guitar? No, we, we, no, we just sat there drinking beer and cracking jokes while, while young Martin was, was figuring, like, let, let me put this knob here and this knob there. And, and basically... basically that is how, how that sound that, that, that we got, you know, the uh, the production quality was from somebody who wasn't, you know, wasn't really a sound guy. Yeah. Uh, he had been assigned to us because we were being we were being outlandish and stupid, and he was like, right, you can have the you can have the apprentice, you know. Was that um, um, four? How many tracks? Four to six tracks was that? Or? We, we we recorded six songs, you know, and to this day, what what I like about that album is it's very raw. You know, you can't even get that sound now if you tried. You know, it's, it's just a very basic, raw, stripped-down sound. And to be honest, to be honest, mate, it captured us perfectly. You know, so so I thought it was it was a great record for that, and and it it became popular. It, yeah. it took off. You know, I remember the Punk and Skin sort of comp. You know, he's bringing out. You know, he's bringing them out sort of once a month, weren't he? At the start, like you know what I mean, Marine. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he did a bunch of them. Yeah, they're all sort of black and white covers, really, weren't they? With the same sort of cover, but volume four and volume three and that, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, I was, I was with the red and white one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. They're sort of the same, same scenario, sort of cover, weren't it? You know what I mean? But that's good. So, did um, you get any gigs off the back of that, Mark, or did you, you know, did he give you some copies to get rid of and sell or whatever or things like that? Um, I think, I think, as, as I recall, the deal with uh, Roddy Marino back then was it, again, it was just a licensing deal. Yeah. And uh, he, he had pretty good distribution back then. I mean, he even got he even got us to the United States. Um, our, our record was being sold in the States. He had good distribution. Well, and, spillers, uh, wasn't we, he? had we Spillers did. distribution, didn't he? Spillers or something like that, I think it was. Was it Spillers? I don't, yeah. I don't recall who he worked with because yeah. all that stuff was all new to me. I didn't understand how it worked. All I knew was we had a record out and somebody was shipping it out and we, we got a copy each in the band. The only, the only thing he said was, please, please uh, don't, don't let anybody else release this within the next 12 months. And he said, once I break even yeah. on the, you know, the expenses, I'll, I'll split the, the profits with you every couple of months. And he, and he kept his word. I got to be honest, he, uh, you know. That's good. That's good. I want to say, but he was doing that with a lot of bands at the time. You know what I mean as well, weren't he? You know what I mean? I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean to be honest. In all fairness. Ronnie Marino did play. He did play a major part in the mid '80s. I seen. Yeah. Um, I'll just leave that at that. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for what he did back yeah. then, and he, he helped a lot of bands get get, uh, including Condemned '84, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Battle Scarred, yeah, he done Battle Scarred and that as well. Yeah. Start, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to say, 
what was it? What was your next step on the vinyl wise after that? You know, did, did you step into the next another album, doing your own album, or what? Well, the the Skins and Punks kind of elevated as we started getting gigs and we started getting popularity and we got the we got the interest of. Well, I, I spoke to to Roddy Marino about doing a, a full length album, yeah. and then we also, you know, got the interest of Blink Records, Mark Brennan, um, and he contacted me and uh, introduced himself and I, of course I was like wow it's Mark Brennan from Link Records he, he called me and asked asked uh, what, what we were doing next after the Skins and Punks and I said well I'm currently recording a new album and Roddy wants to put it out and anyway Mark Brennan said well I want to put it out so so basically um i kind of switched to link records because over the phone you know he kind of he kind of enticed me by saying well if you sign with me i'll i'll pay your recording costs i'll pay for it all so because yeah, yeah. we, we we had run out of money basically we recorded a couple of tracks and then and then we 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 get back in the studio and mark brennan said well you told me you know i'll pay your studio get in finish the album i'll take it from there yeah, and so everything fell into place and we went to a nice studio. We got a very polished sound, but there was there was something that was lacking in that album, you know. It was lacking uh, the feel of the first album. We didn't capture the feel, you know. Yeah. And when, um, so the, the sound quality, it was just too polished for my, for my, for my liking. Did, really. um, what was it, what, I'm gonna say, when did it, was that early 86? Was it 86, that album, with Link Records? I, I think it actually. I think it came out. It, it didn't actually get released. I don't think it hit the shops till 1988. To be oh, honest. Oh, so there's a bit of time before. So what was the name it, of it? Could, it could have been 87. It yeah. could have been 87. Yeah. I, I can't really remember. Yeah. What was the um? What was the name of that album? It was called We Are What We Are. We Are What We Are. Yeah, I remember that one. Anyway, it's just one of these. And, and basically, that album title came about because Timo and I, we we were sitting in a pub after band rehearsal one night and we, we were talking about the, the direction the band was going because um, I, was, I was trying to like I don't know I guess, I guess go you know change the sound just a little bit um, not for any particular reason other than just to pro- progress you know and uh, people had started some of our audience had started hearing some of our newer songs and they sounded different and people started wanting to ask us well, well, what's this new stuff you're playing? Is this punk? Is this metal? What's this? Mm. And I, I just said, it, it, it's, it, it's nothing really. I said, we, we just are, we are what we are, you know? And, yeah. and that just that just stuck. And I, and I think, you know, Timo said, we should call call the album that we are exactly. what we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, on, at that point then, Mark, you'd like to introduce your fourth track for this afternoon on G-Man's Abbott Sessions. If you want to introduce that, mate, that'd be brilliant. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I think this is I think this is the ruts. Babylon's burning. Um, yeah, that's one, mate. Another little flashback a few years earlier to 1979. Another, you know, again my favourite year. The ruts, fantastic band. Fortunate to see them twice in the same year. Um, just incredibly amazing musicians, and I think they they were just, they were just brilliant as as a band that came. <laughs> You burn the streets You burn your houses 
as a classic so you managed to see um, see the Ruts choice in the original lineup, up Mark before he actually uh, committed suicide then did you was that in Leicester or where was that yes mate uh, I saw him at, I saw him both, both gigs were in 1979 um, the first time I saw him was opening for the Damned the, the Damned were just doing their I guess their reunion return tour with Sensible on the guitar fantastic amazing amazing gig you know yeah. um I, I didn't think after seeing the Ruts, I didn't think that the Damned would even follow that, but it was one of the best gigs that I've ever seen, ever. Um, the energy was amazing. And then I saw the Ruts again a couple of months later, also in Leicester, but they were headlining in that time. And, and of course, they, they were they were really on the up and up, you know, and uh, that was late 79, of course, unfortunately. Was that, De- was that at De Montford Hall? Was that, uh, yes, it, yes, it was at De Montford Hall. Yeah, I heard yes. they got two gigs on there, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, because, but... The ruts have just got a totally different sound anyway, bounce around and everything, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just brilliant, isn't it? You know what I mean? I love yeah, that. just just amazing musicians live, and, and considering they they were kind of chaotic on stage, but they 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 never skipped a beat, you yeah, know? No, brilliant, tight as a nuts, mate. Tight as nuts, mate. You know? What I mean? Absolutely, brilliant, yeah, mate, brilliant. So, so we were speaking obviously about the glory, and you got we are what we are, and that through Link Records, and it's come out a bit. Were you a bit? Disappointed in, uh, obviously, in the final production of it all and uh, stuff. And you thought, oh dear. So how did it sort of like the glory start, sort of start going from there? Really, you know what I mean? You're disappointed in the production. Well, to be honest, to be honest, the, the production was a little too polished for us. It, it sounded rigid, um, and it, it's nobody's fault. It just didn't capture us, and we weren't laid back on that album. Uh, there was there was a bunch of new songs on there, and it, it just it just didn't quite vibe very well with me and I was a little disappointed you know but it, but it came out to great reviews Mark Brennan uh, totally bumped it and gave, gave it great reviews and it was getting it got, got comparisons to uh, on the link newspaper comparisons to the professionals and the blood which although very flattering I think it I think that the professionals and the blood two two great bands 
I think that description was purely based on the guitar sound, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you, but you had your own distinctive guitar sound by then, anyway, with Mark. You know, I, mean, I think that was, you know, you had your, you, you, the way you play it, you've got your own distinctive sound in there, you know what I mean? So, you know, like I say, what we just polished them. Who produced the old men? Was it someone at the studio? Oh uh, yeah, we, we went to this guy in in Leicester. He had uh, this guy actually was a '60s musician. Yeah. Um, he, he was in a '60s known pop band, but I can't remember who it was. Um, what was his name? Mike Mike Miller, mm-hmm. and and he had a really nice, really deluxe, really nice studio. And of course, the records pay for it, so that's where we went. You know, yeah. and he, he had top of the line equipment, but, uh, again, excellent sound. And it wasn't his fault because. Because he had good equipment, it, it just it just didn't capture the band's yeah. feel, you know. Yeah. So where we so after that release that, and obviously you got got some good reviews on some of it, you know. Did um did you how did you and Timo just want to keep gigging and keep going from there? How did things sort of well, eventually make we, you go we, to America? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think I think at that point, mate, we we were getting we were getting rave reviews, and uh, obviously I felt I felt like we were under pressure to come up with another album that was going to be better than that one. So sometimes you know a writer's block. You, you, you feel like you write a lot of songs now, and you, 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 you know. I'm going to say, how did you eventually get? You, you know, I know you come in and done some stuff with Condemnated for that after after your glory and that. Anyway, did did that sort of like free you up a bit better more? Do you think because other people were writing songs or whatever? What what was the sort of because you you as as the glory you brought quite a lot to the table for the I scene. I thought, do you know what I mean? Really, as as the sound wise and all, do you know what I mean? And um, but but. That, that, that probably doesn't continue now with the glory as it is in current day, does it? Do you know what I mean? Because obviously you're not in the band. Do you know what I mean? No, no, they they they, they still continue, and uh, you know, of course, they have my blessing, and they're doing their thing, and it's of course it doesn't sound like it used to. Yeah. You know, because the same as yours. It, 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 it won't, will it? Yeah, no. You know, um, I mean, to be honest, I, I just felt disillusioned, and I sat and thought about it, and, and sometimes, you know, when you stay in a band and you, and you know deep down you want to walk away from it and you stay in it. It just becomes turmoil, you know. And I thought, just just do the right thing, Mark. Just step away. And uh, I told the guys, you know, um, I'm I'm stepping away. I'm just yeah. I'm just taking a break. And um, obviously, like, I thought, well, yeah. Obviously, like when you come down to, to Ipswich with Condemnate Four, like um, you did the No One Who No One Likes Us album. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I'm gonna say. Did you enjoy recording that at a time differently, or was it different? Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it was it was a great experience, you know. Um, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, I mean, my coming into Condemned '84, uh, 
you know, in 1988, I, I went to the payphone and I called Mark Brennan. And, and I, I hasted to tell him, I know you've just put, you're just putting our album out, but I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think he was a bit disappointed, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I'm going to put all this money into your album and you're going to walk away from it. And, and I told him I was di just disillusioned and I, I said, he, we've got writer's block, we, we can't even write a new song. And it's, you know, there's musicianship issues. Some of the guys in the band weren't, they just weren't up to it. And, and I, basically I said, so I'm asking you if, you, if you know anybody that might be looking, that can take me on board, you know, uh, if anybody's looking for a guitar player because I'm, I'm going to float around for a while and, and walk away from this and he said uh, Brennan was pretty cool you know I, I got on well with him and he said well look I'm going to I'm going to tell you he said the Amjo Cup starts were looking for a guitar player at the time he said I think you might be able to slot in there of course I got, I got goosebumps you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and I said are you serious and uh, he says yeah and I guess they were they were between whoever the guitar player was that I just left I, don't, I didn't know who it was at the time and um, he says, well, let, let me make some phone calls and I'll call you back. And of course I went home and I was incredibly excited and uh, I thought, wow, I'm really nervous. This is, this is exciting. And um, anyway, I was, I was at my dad's house uh, the following week and he said, there's somebody called here looking for you, uh, talking about a band. And I said, oh, okay, okay. And he said, he's gonna call back on Friday night, so beer. And so I was there waiting for the phone to ring at my parents' house in Leicester and um, the phone rang and I, of course I thought it was going to be somebody asking if I wanted to go up to Newcastle to audition for the Angelic Upstarts. Well, get on the phone and it, it was Cliff Warby, <laughs> um, not who I was expecting. And he says, uh, yeah, this is Cliff Warby, I'm the drummer from Condemned 84 and he said, he says, uh, I hear from Link Records that you're looking for a, you're looking for a gig, you know. I said, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I spoke to, to Brennan and he, he said the upstarts might be looking for someone. Well, anyway, ten minutes on the phone with Cliff and he sold me. Um, I'm like, let's do it, let's do it, you know. <laughs> and he, you know, he said he said we need someone and he said you know of course he flattered me. He said we love your guitar playing and your guitar sound and everything. We think you you'd be fit and great with a band and it, it just rolled it just rolled well that's a blast from the past mate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i remember i remember mark brennan saying that um that the upstarts were um they were meant to do a tour of france at a time i think it was and he had phoned kev and uh, and he said because obviously we'd spoke to him about the link records compilation stuff and all that over the years and um he phoned kev and he said um do you want to do three or four dates he said Upstarts can't do it. Do you want to go and do step in and play their gigs? So he went over and played three or four as well, like you know. What wow, I mean? and, wow. Um, that was at that time, like before you, before you joined the band, like you know. What I mean, when they split up, so when they looked yeah. at each other, so and Mark, Mark was quite good like that, you know. He always wanted to, to help the scene as much as possible. Obviously, he was in the business and that as well, you know what I mean. So that made, yeah, yeah. We, we played with the business a few times as well, but brilliant, mate. You got some stories there, mate. That's brilliant. So superb. So. I'm going to say, you know, like I say, something new that starts from out of, out of the ashes of the glory, like, you know what I mean, which is a shame. But like I say, that was that's where it all started for everyone. So I'm going to say, look, I think we're in the last sort of track to come up anyway. So what did you do? Did you eventually, what, what, moving to America, what what did, you know, what was your sort of thoughts about moving to America anyway, you know, eventually sort of thing? Well, I, 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 
the time, at the time that, that I, I accepted, you know, um, the offer to, to go do with Condemned, it was simultaneously I'd also made plans to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and that that came that came about because the guitar player from the Anti Heroes mail messaged me back then. Um, oh. You know the old old school letter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, say, saying that the Glory Roots favourite band. And of course, I was extremely flattered. And he and he said, you know, we have a scene going on in Atlanta. Why don't you come over and visit? Come and stay with us and check it out. And I, I decided to take him up yeah. on the offer. You know, I saved a little bit of money up and uh, I went over to Atlanta. And so when I got back from Atlanta, I was going to be going with Condemned. So I, I had exciting stuff to look forward to. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the summertime and I went to Atlanta and I couldn't believe it. They, they, had, a, they had a whole scene there. It was it, it was just kicking, you know. Um, it was Anti-Heroes, Moonstomp, uh, Band Called Pride, The Kicker Boys. You know, they, yeah. they, were, all, they were all on the link records yeah, yeah. Um, compilations. So I was already familiar with all these bands, but they, they were all going at the time. And... Uh, it was just full on, you know, there were, there were a lot of shows. And it, it, it reminded me of the early 80s in England when the, when the oil scene was kicking, you know, and mm. I, actually I liked it so much and I thought, I really want to be part of this. This is really exciting. You know, it's a couple of years behind England, but it's new yeah. and it's not, been, it's not been spoiled yet or anything, you know, and I felt like Brilliant, I really want to be part of this. Yeah. Oh, that's superb, mate. That's a nice, clean, free, clean start for us, well, anyway. So at that point, Mark, we'll get on to your final fifth track. You'd like to introduce your, your fifth track from. The, 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 you've been listening to the Oi albums for this one, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so back, backtracking a little bit, you know.
listening to us out there in on Boot Boy Radio Land and uh, on G-Man's Abbott Sessions this Sunday afternoon. It's been recording with the Condemned 84 doing an album and um, and uh, really, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming in and joining us today. And uh, before you're an athlete, uh, you know, what can I say? You just had sorry by the foreskins. That's classic Gary Hodges in it. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm gonna say the air is yours, mate. And uh, you know, if you got to say hello to food people around the world, your is your the air is yours. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There you go, mate. Go for it. Um. So I, I guess we're just wrapping up this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Just wrapping up this, uh, what do we have, a few more minutes? That's it, you can go for it now, mate, you can go for it, yeah, you can go for it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just, just to kind of wrap up the whole thing, really, um, 1988 was the year I, I actually made the decision, I actually wanted to move to the States. Uh, it was also the year that I, I, I went to play with Condemned 84, but it wasn't going to be a, um, a permanent thing, unfortunately, so, you know, I got, I got to play on the live album, I had a great time, played some great shows. Uh, got to work with Condemned on the a little bit on the pre-production of um, Storming's Power, but didn't, didn't quite make the album. Um, later on, came back in the early 2000s for No One Likes Us, and I've played played gigs Condemned '84 here and there along the way, you know. And uh, I feel like I've always maintained a great working relationship with Condemned, like an auxiliary member, if like. And uh, looking forward to. Uh, this coming weekend in Germany. Um, the anti-heroes, after, after living in the States for a couple of years, a um, couple of little interim things, I did actually <coughs> play in a band for a brief period called Jack the Lad. Yeah, um, that's what, yeah. Obviously not the same Jack the Lad that's floating around these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Top man, you are. That's where I need yeah. to <laughs> and, and it was it was it was just an in between band, you know, with uh, Townsend that, that was in Moonstone, you know, and then and then of course in the in the nineties I got I got asked to play for the anti heroes, uh, which I obviously accepted and did a couple of albums with them and did, traveled quite a lot, played a lot of gigs with the anti heroes. That was a great experience, you know. Uh, that lasted that lasted for a few years and that, that kind of ran its course you know and uh that's 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 been over for me for, for quite some time and i i don't know that i don't think that band's coming back anytime soon or ever um but, but it was a great experience you know i got, yeah. I got to work uh you played a lot of gigs mate you played a lot of gigs you know we, we, we did we yeah. did and I, I got to work work with me meet and play alongside some really great bands as a result of, of being in the anti-heroes you know we, we played europe england all over the states numerous times and got got to meet some some really cool people from back in the day you know and i, I forged a friendship with mickey fit through being in the anti-heroes uh God bless him. Um, I've met lots. Of, I've become gone, become friends with lots of <coughs> musicians over the years it, as a as a result of being in the anti heroes, really. Yeah, um, so I'm great. I'm grateful for that, you know. And um, you know, and obviously the anti heroes came to an end uh, 18 years ago. It, it ran its course, you know. Yeah. Things come to an end, and it came to an end. We we had writers block, and there was there was starting to be reasons that we, we just couldn't keep the band going and. To this day in Atlanta, you know, pe people are still still asking me, will the anti-heroes ever come back yeah, after 18 years? I think that's a bit of a bit of a long time. I don't think you can really bounce back after after that. 
To be honest, um, honestly, I don't, I don't see him 18 years old do it. Do you know what I mean? That's mental, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's mental all that time. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Time, yeah. Time's gone by so fast, you know. And, and, it, and it was a bit... The anti-heroes were a very popular band, yeah. and I'm very yeah. pleased to have been a part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. True. Good. But band. you know, I, I think I think it's finished. You know, and after a few years, now now I was back. You know, not doing anything again. I I had done some stuff with Condemned. No one likes his album, and I was I was floating around, and people kept asking me and asking me about the anti-heroes. And um, I got this I got this crazy idea one night to to start a band playing anti-heroes songs, yeah. and just and call and call it Magoo's Heroes. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought, you know what, it's just going to be a bit of fun. It's going to be like a party band. And I found a couple of guys, Josh from The Pillage, great singer, good friend of mine. And I said, what do you, what do you think of this? And he said, yeah, that's, that sounds like fun. And we did it. And it was, it, it just blew up, you know? Brilliant, mate. Brilliant, mate. Yeah, it's brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, people asked me, oh, we, we missed the Magoo's Hero show and we heard it was great. I said, yeah, it was just one show. I'm not doing it again. And people just pestered me to do it again. So... I did it, and then we started to play regular shows, you know, and uh, it became so popular, uh, it kind of caused a little bit of upset um, with somebody from the original anti-heroes, but, you know, I won't get too much into that, but a little bit of uh, fight action um, didn't amount to anything, um, so I, I decided at that point, you know, I'm going to keep this going, but we decided to write original songs, and it just it developed into its own band. Brilliant, mate. I thought you were a great band was when we played with you, like say in Connecticut, that was brilliant, like you know what I mean? Great, great band, like you know what I mean? But then again, you're always a good guitarist, mate. You wrote some good songs, you know what I mean? Like you say, you've got some good people around you as well, do you know what I mean? So Well I got I got to branch out a little bit in yeah. the Goose Heroes as well. I wanted to try I wanted to try some different sounds, you know, and then the last album that we did. Um, before the one that I'm working on now, you know, I, I kinda tried tried to uh for like an eighties kind of kind of new wavey sound, a lot, a lot of keyboards on it, you know. And yeah, um, yeah. some people didn't really understand that, but but sometimes you've got to try something different for your own self, and you can't please all of the people all of the time, yeah, as as you know, you know. Um, but like I say, it, it ran its course, and the situation, the scene in Atlanta right now is it, it's difficult to keep an audience interested and keep things. People are getting older. And, uh, you know, I think at this point it's fair to say that, you know, where is, is the punk scene right now? Well, I, I don't know if there are younger people coming up that are keeping it going because I, I don't try and keep up with it myself. But, um, you know, obviously the people that have been supporting it for a long, long time, uh, they're just getting older and, and people just, just can't come out to gigs anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And that, that, effect, that has affected Magoo's Heroes and... Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, my you know my singer Roger, mm. awesome guy. He's, he's starting to have a couple of health issues and decided it's best let's let, let's go out gracefully. You know, let's let's not like push it push it to the bitter end. So, Mr. Mark Mark McGee on G Man's Abbott Sessions this afternoon, Sunday Wonder Free Service. Like to say a few goodbyes to anybody, Mark. The air is yours, mate. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Um, just want to say a big thank you to everybody that I've met along the way. It's been it's been an amazing journey. I've met some great people, and this is an opportunity for me to say hello, thank you to everybody. You you all know who you are. The list is far too long to mention. Um, it's been a great journey. This is Steve Curtis from Jack the Lad and the Streetwise Show on BootboyRadio.net. 
and you'll listen to G-Man Sessions. Have it. boys!
Oi, oi, join me, Kev, Frontman of Condemned 84, live interview on G-Man's Avid Sessions on bootboyradio.net on Sunday. One, two, three, keep the faith. out there this is Deptford John you're listening to G-Man's Avid Sessions on bootboyradio.net
little bit of UK subs for you there, and obviously Mark enjoys that sound as well anyway. And uh, just like I say, I hope you enjoyed the reflections and words from Mr. Mark McGee this afternoon on Sunday the 27th of November. You've been listening to G-Man's Abbott Sessions on bootboyradio.net. Sadly, we're in the last track, sadly in the last couple of minutes. And I uh, hope you can catch us next week, same time, same place, one to three. And we can leave you with a little bit of blitz. Voice of a generation. Catch you next week. Keep the faith. supposed to blow the bleeding doors off you've just blown the roof off as well you've been listening to g-man's have it show on boot boy radio keep the faith So we'd just like to say thank you for joining us this afternoon on Boot Boy Radio for G-Man's Avid Sessions. Hopefully you've enjoyed the tracks. And we'd just like to say finally, hopefully you can catch us next week. And at the same time, same place, one till three, Sunday on Boot Boy Radio. In the meantime, have a good week and keep the faith. Cheers to all.